Anybody spend any jail time they care to publicly confess? <laughs> uh, the closest I ever came in to jail time was in January 2008, just a month before the launch of Gateway Fellowship Church. Uh, my buddy Johnny Hauk and I had a spontaneous moment of going camping together. Uh, so one evening we, we packed up our, our backpacks and tent and sleeping bag, and we went to the Guadalupe River State Park. And when we got there, there were just like people everywhere. Uh, there were campfires and kids and noise. It was like a Boy Scout convention. And we tried to find a campsite, but we couldn't. So we just said, hey, let's just go make our own. And we just took off into the woods and thought, you know what, let's get far enough away from everybody else. It'll be more of a primitive site and we'll just have it all to ourselves. And we'll wake up in the morning, have a nice little breakfast, beautiful view of the river. And, and so we did that. We put our headlamps on and we just went hiking as far as we could before we could hear anybody else. And so we found a good spot and it, it was a clearing and you could, you could tell it was kind of a, near a ridge and had a cliff and it looked like the perfect spot. So we set up camp and that night it got real cold, like in the low 40s. And, and we woke up the next morning, not to the sounds of birds singing. It wasn't to the sound of an alarm clock. We woke up to the sound of a CB radio. And it sounded like beep. Yeah, we got some uh, trespassers at the Honey Creek State Natural Area, and we're about to write them a ticket and deal with this situation. We want you to be aware of it. They're trespassing, having complete disrespect to this land, and we're going to have to deal with this situation. Beep. And so there we were right in our sleeping bags, and that was the sound we heard through our thin tent walls. And then we heard the Texas Park Ranger say, whoever's in the tent needs to come on out. And so we opened up the zip, we zipped open the tent, we came out, we were in our shorts and there what we faced, not just the Texas Park Ranger, but about 20 people who had gathered for an early morning tour and hike on the Honey Creek State Natural Area that was forbidden of any kind of camping and fires and trespassers. And there we were, renegades, outlaws and Man, the public shame that we felt. It was like everybody looked at us with that dirty little look, like we had just ran over their dogs with pickup trucks, you know? It was like, it was terrible. We felt such shame and man, we got a ticket and we had to come back later to the Kendall County Courthouse and face the punishment to our great crime. And there the judge sentenced us with 40 hours of community service which we fulfilled in the next week of volunteering to help start this wonderful new church. <laughs> it was wonderful. But uh, that's as close as I got to jail time. And, but you know what? That was a very normal way of life for the early church. They, they faced public shame. They faced being in prison, beaten, and sometimes were martyred for their faith. They were put to death. Turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 16. We're about halfway through our journey through the book of Acts. And I'm so glad that you've gathered here in person to worship us with, with us. Thank you for joining us online. Happy 4th of July weekend. It means a lot that we can come and worship and celebrate our freedom to worship Jesus together. 
You know, we started our journey through the book of Acts. Everything was wonderful, right? Uh, The early believers were baptized with the Holy Spirit. They began to witness of Jesus and the the early church uh, began to grow and the message of Jesus spread to the ends of the earth and people were getting saved and baptized in water and they had such a great reputation in the community. They demonstrated generosity. They were sharing, there were miracles and it was wonderful. But then the authorities during that day saw the early Christianity as a threat that needed to be dealt with. And so they persecuted the church. They put people to death. And there in the middle of it all was Paul and Silas. They went on a missionary journey to Philippi, which is in modern day Greece. And this would have occurred in about AD 50, about 17 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so they were ministering in Philippi. People were getting saved. And there was such a move of God that it was disrupting the economy in the day. So the authorities were persecuting them. And this is where we will pick up in Acts chapter 16, verse 23. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Now, as Roman citizens, Paul and Silas had a right of a trial before being thrown into jail. They should have never had any kind of, uh, received any kind of beating or public shame. They were citizens. They were Roman citizens. They should have been exempt from that, but they weren't. They were falsely accused. They were unjustly beaten. Their backs were filleted wide open. And now they were placed, their feet were in shackles. They had chains around their wrists. They were in prison, very likely to be executed the next day. The good news is that Paul and Silas, as the story unfolds, we don't see them crack under pressure, but rather we see them grow stronger because of their faith in the Lord. Their trust in the Lord made them stronger. Their faith became stronger. And whenever you are in a trial, this trial will either break you or because of if you have a faith in God, he will give you a supernatural grace gift to help you become stronger. So my desire is that each of us, as we open up God's word today, as we worship him, as we spend time in the presence of the Lord, this is our opportunity that, yes, we are in the middle of a pandemic, but it's our opportunity for us to become jailhouse strong. All right. And when you become jailhouse strong, I want to give you six changes that happen and these changes that you can expect to happen by faith. All right. So write these down if you're keeping notes. The first thing is friends become family. Friends become family. How many of you have been in a trial and you felt all alone? That's a terrible place to be. But companionship makes it a little bit easier, right? The silver lining here is that Paul had a buddy. He had a friend in Silas. And I imagine that this experience being in jail together, chained together, only brought them stronger in their relationship together because they were both followers of Jesus. So they were brothers in Christ, right? Can I have a a volunteer to be brave enough to join me on stage? Anybody brave enough that can join me on stage? All right, great, great. Come on up. Thank you so much. All right, all right, here we go. So Paul and Silas are in jail. They're chained together. Here you go. Are you sure? I want you to tell everybody your name. Sharam. Sharam. And Sharam is originally from Iran, speaks Farsi. Greet everybody in the Farsi language. 
All right, thank you, Trump. Uh, now this is your last chance. You are chained to an unmasked pastor. You don't have a mask either, so I guess you don't, you're okay with this. All right, all right. So uh, Paul and Silas were chained together. It's important that we understand that when you are, you are in a difficult trial, that you be chained to the right person. Some of you feel chained to the wrong person. Some of you would say, you know what? I'm chained to the wrong person. I married the wrong person. Anybody feel that way? You married the wrong person. You don't have to raise your hand. Definitely no point. All right. All right. All right. Okay. But some of you, you you're in, in a friendship with the wrong person. And this is so important because you are, I've always said this, you show me your friends and I will show you your future. You are the sum total of the five closest friendships that you have. All right. And so some of you, you got in business with the wrong person and it costs you so much time and money. But it's important that during the good times, you build the right friendships. So when you have the hard times, those friendships can help sustain you. This is why this is so important. Now, Paul and Cyrus, they were in prison together. And as they were in prison, like Paul, he was connected to the right person and he wasn't always connected to the right person. Remember, he went on another missionary journey and there was somebody who, man, just cracked under pressure and left him. What was his name? John Mark. It was such a, a big issue that when Paul went on another missionary journey, his buddy Barnabas wanted to bring John Mark. Paul said, no way. He quit on us. I don't have faith or confidence in him because Paul knew, hey, I'm going to be going on these missionary journeys. I'm going to start churches. There's going to be opposition. There's going to be persecution and we're not going to be safe. And I want to have somebody who I can trust in because if, if his part, if Silas all night long was scared and complaining and whining, Paul would have regretted the day he met Silas, right? If he was crying all night long, Paul would have had to counsel him all night long. If Silas would have been bitter and angry, then Paul would have had to worry about himself, that attitude rubbing off on him. And, and so it's very important that we realize that we are chained to the right person. Okay, so who you spend time with, you're as close to others as you want to be. And this is a time where your friendships matter, who you are. Like you need to be with someone. Every time uh, my brother here comes to church, he finds me and he encourages me. I know he prays for me. And I thank you for being a friend here in our church family. You do the same to others. You're a bold witness for others. And you need to have friendships like this in your life. This is why a small group, belonging to a small group is so important. I encourage you to treasure your friends in your small group. And not just that they be friends, but because of who they are in Christ, they are brothers and sisters. Honor one another, love one another, submit to one another, encourage, pray for one another. But you know, there's a friend that's closer than a brother and his name is Jesus. And you need to be chained to him. Amen. Above all else, nurture, treasure that relationship, abide with Jesus. Thank you so much, my friend. Let's give him a big hand. So first, become jailhouse strong. The first change that happens is that friends can become family. Let's discover what happens next. Verse 25, it says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were doing what? They were praying and singing hymns to God. It was clarifying. They weren't singing country songs because they were depressed, all right? They were singing hymns to God and they were praying. And so the second change that happens when you become jailhouse strong is that worry becomes worship. Worry becomes worship. 
I mean, this is at midnight. It's the darkest, most desperate moment of their life under these circumstances. They, these were the last hours of their life. It would have been very difficult to, for them to try to sleep. They were very aware that other apostles and, and followers of Jesus were being martyred for their faith. And now they were facing, they had already been beaten. They had been unjustly put into prison for their faith in the Lord. And now's a moment for them that we would see a lot of people being worried, being full of anxiety, afraid. But we see Paul and Silas start to sing, start to sing praises to God. And imagine they did this by faith. I imagine that because it didn't make sense. They're in jail. There's other people around them. There's guards, there's other prisoners but they lifted up their voices to God. This was a faith moment. When you by faith begin to sing and worship God, something happens in the heavenly. Something happens in the supernatural. Not only does it change you, but it changes those around you. It can change your circumstances. Worship really can become a weapon. A few months ago, my wife Stephanie and I joined a few other ministers on a missions trip in the Middle East. And there in the Jeddah, in the capital of Saudi Arabia, where many Muslims will come to this to make their pilgrimage to Mecca, we spent time, we, you who have given to kingdom builders last year, uh, gave to see a new church started in Saudi Arabia. And so we came to, to help start that. And, and we spent one evening just on the streets of Jeddah witnessing and telling people about Jesus. The next morning, it was a Sunday morning, and the church there meets underground and they'll meet during the evening time. Later that evening, we would minister in, in an underground church. But that morning, we decided to go out on a prayer walk and have a time of worship. We didn't have worship in, our, in the house we were staying at, but rather we decided to find another place to worship. And so you know where we found to worship? A vacant Muslim mosque. And so we saw it on the outside where there was nobody in. And so we left our shoes on the outside and we walked in and, and we sat in a circle and we weren't doing this because listen, we weren't doing this to be cavalier, but rather we were doing this because we knew this is a, a moment of faith. This was a moment of faith for this new church, for the missionaries that were hosting us, that, that in spite of, of a very rocky soil where believers were being persecuted, that we desire to see that, the, that there would be a beachhead presence for Jesus, that this would be the start of a new church. And so when we were there, we began to worship the Lord. We began to sing hymns to God. We prayed for each other. We opened up God's word together. And in the midst of our singing, there were one, two, three people who came in and saw us singing. And you know what they did? They turned around and left. And I believe this was kind of a moment. I believe that they sent something different. Not only was it mostly a bunch of white people singing songs of, right? But anyway, that's, but, but I'm grateful not only for the Lord's protection, but I believe that something happens when we worship. And the irony is that we, I would have never believed that just a few months ago, we would have more freedom worshiping the Lord in a Muslim mosque in the Middle East than you can now singing out loud in a church in California. Like it's crazy. I never, I never would have dreamed that. But I, I do want to say that Jesus says this, if you remain silent, I'm going to cause my rocks to cry out. Like the, every opportunity, whether good times or bad times, we, can, we like singing, right? We'll sing in the car. We'll sing when we're in a good mood. We're singing in the, those of you who can't sing, we like to sing. I like to sing. I like to sing in the shower. I like to sing in the car, right? But when times get difficult, why is it that our lips become sealed? And those are the moments we need to sing the loudest. Those are the moments that we need to worship with the greatest 
interest into the Lord and passion for God and out of our love and joy for the Lord. And that's what Paul and Silas were doing. They were worshiping the Lord. They were like, these chains are not going to hold me from from worshiping the Lord. We're going to sing louder because they were making a statement to themselves. They were glorifying the Lord, but they were making a statement to the enemy that we are not going to back down nor bow down because of what's happening around us. Worship should never be dependent upon the circumstances that you face. Worship, your worship to the Lord should never be dependent upon upon how you feel. Because let's face it, a lot of us feel discouraged. We look around and we see a physical threat of a disease. We see the financial hardship. We see friends and family members losing their job. We see the division that's happening all around us. Uh, The world that we live in may never be darker than it is at this very hour. But are we going to allow our worship to the Lord be dependent upon what we see on earth or what we who Jesus is in heaven? Amen. Because when you worship, your perspective will change. Your perspective will change. My wife, Stephanie, her papa fought in World War II. In fact, this picture was taken on December 14th, 1944. He's the one in the middle in Normandy, France. And if you would ask different people who fought in this war on D-Day, what their perspective of the world war, war was, it would be different on, depending upon who you asked. If you asked an infantryman what his perspective was, he would tell you, when I got off my amphibious land craft and I saw bodies in the water and the smoke and the explosion and the enemy fire coming from the machine guns of Germany and I saw people dying all over, I, I, I thought I was gonna die. I, I, I thought there's no way that we can win. But if you ask a pilot who was in a recon plane what his perspective was, he'd say, hey, I could see everything from an aerial perspective. And yes, I could see the devastation, but I could also see how our American troops were penetrating past the German lines. And you know what? Because of this penetration and because of, the, the, of us going in, I, I, I believe that we are going to win. Some of us, we look around and we see the devastation and we see the negativity and we allow it to affect us emotionally and spiritually, but it's because we have a worldly perspective and we need to start seeing things through a spiritual lens. We need to start saying, God, help me to see things from your perspective. And you know what happens when you begin to worship? Your God becomes bigger than your problems. You don't focus on on the problems, you focus on the Lord. And that's what worship does. When you say, God, you're in control, you're sovereign, you're bigger than anything that I face, you're bigger than a virus, you're bigger than financial distress, and I trust you. God happens to build your faith, you become stronger in the Lord. And you can look at for redemptive moments because the reality is we know who has victory, right? Just read the end of the book. Read the end of the Bible. Jesus is victorious. And he says, he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. And you are victorious if you are his child, if you are a follower of Jesus. And we who belong to this church family, we know we're going to be victorious in Christ. Amen. And so that's another change that happens. We become jailhouse strong when our friends become family. When our worry becomes worship, and let's discover what happens next in verse 25 of Acts chapter 16. It says, and the prisoners were listening to them. Again, Paul and Silas were not the only prisoners in that jail. There were other prisoners and these prisoners became patrons. These prisoners became, they began to lean in. They began to listen and watch. They were like, these guys are in change just like us. They're in worse shape. They're probably going to be executed in the morning. How in the world are they singing? How in the world are they praising God? How in the world are they praying? 
Because if Paul and Silas were having a, you know, if they were depressed and they were complaining and worrying and, 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 and crying, there would have been no difference, right? But their, their worship to the Lord, it caught the attention of the prisoners who are watching. And you know what? Other people are watching you. They're watching our church. They're watching. She's saying, hey, uh, she just lost her job just like me. How is she still smiling? What's, what's the reason? What's the motive in her? Why is she different from me? And this becomes our opportunity to witness upon the Lord. And I don't think that Paul and Silas were worshiping the Lord to be a witness. I really believe it was dependent upon who Jesus is. And because of their joy and the peace that they had in Christ, it overflowed and everybody else just watched. Everybody else leaned in and goes, there's something different. And we need to seize these opportunities to worship to the Lord because other people are watching. Verse 26 says, suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. All the chains were loosed. What were loosed? The chains, the chains were loose. Like God caused this earthquake. And as a result, the, the chains were literally loosened off of their hands. They were, the shackles were gone. This was a miracle. And it all happened because Paul and Silas started worshiping the Lord. Again, when we worship on earth, something happens in the supernatural that God helps and causes. And as a result, they were delivered from their chains. What are the chains that you need to be delivered from today? What is holding you back in your worship? What is holding you back from growing in your faith? Is it pride? Is it fear? Is it sin? Is it an addiction? Is it alcohol? What is it that's causing you to worry? What is holding you back that you need to experience freedom from? Some of you are looking around and you're and you're nervous and you can't sleep at night, it's because you're trying to control everything. You're trying to control what's happening around you. Here's a reality check. There's only one person in control and it's not you. And so the sooner you come to the realization that you can surrender and trust the Lord, you're gonna be a lot better off. About eight days ago, I was back at the Guadalupe River and uh, I was with my family and we went to just float the river and just spend some time together. And that evening we got notice from the governor that he was shutting down all of the, the outfitters that couldn't float on the river. And, and, and then we got news that my daughter had a close friend who tested positive uh, for, for COVID. And so we had to send her back home away from the family. And, and then we had to make a decision to cancel our kids ministry. And we were just like, want to keep our, I wanted to keep my, as a dad, I was like, I wanted to keep my family safe. And I wanted to keep you as our church family safe and protected. And, and for a moment, I was, I started to, to kind of get a little discouraged, but you know what I did? I was in that river and I did something that I've done before. And I got in that river about knee deep and I took a, a branch and I said, Lord, let, allow this to be symbolic of everything that I'm facing in this trial, everything that we're at. And Lord, I can't control this. And if I try to control it and hold on to it, it's only gonna get worse. It's only gonna affect me emotionally and spiritually. And so I, I prayed a prayer. I prayed a prayer for you. I prayed a prayer for my family. And I said, Lord, I trust you. You're in control. And I let that branch go down the river and I watched it go. 
And then it disappeared. And I just raised up my hands and I began to praise and worship the Lord. I began to sing that old hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. And you know what happened? I started to feel some joy, some peace that everything's gonna be okay, that the Lord was gonna redeem this in his timing. And it didn't affect our little break. In fact, we began to just began to be able to be able to worship the Lord. And we spent time in God's word and in nature. It was such a wonderful, wonderful time. Two days ago, some dear personal friends of mine that have been in our church for a long time. In fact, we sent them to Kerrville to help start our church in Kerrville. The Claytons experienced great loss on Friday in a tractor accident outside their home. Uh, Dad and their oldest child, Pacey, um, were in a big accident and Pacey uh, lost his life in this accident. And it's been traumatic over the last couple of days. And Micah, it's a miracle he's still alive. He's been in ICU and and we've been praying and we've been communicating with this, this couple and this family and ministering to them. And the last feedback that we've gotten from, from Lindsay was that, that, that we want everyone around us to know that our child is not dead, that he's never been more alive than he is right now. Yes, our hearts, uh, they are, they're gonna go through all the emotions. They're gonna go through anger. They're, they're gonna have questions that we don't have answers for. But in this moment of their greatest hour of tr- suffering, they're putting their trust in the Lord. They know that their son has run their race and they have great hope. They said, we want all to know that we are to run our race and to finish strong and that we wanna come across that finish line and see our son and see that our, our, our life here is to worship the Lord and to take other people with us into heaven. There's only one thing that can cause someone to have that kind of perspective and that is their trust in the Lord. They've got strong faith in God to help them through this. And here's the thing that we can, we need to realize about Paul and Cyrus. They were not outside the will of God. They were ministering. They were proclaiming the good news. And there they were unjustly beaten and imprisoned. It's important for us to understand that when we face trials, it doesn't mean that we're outside the will of God. Jesus faced the cross. He said, in this world, you are going to have trials, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And so when you go through suffering, when you go through trials, it it is in life and we live in a broken world, but it is part of our journey. And it doesn't mean we're outside the will of God, but we need to rejoice even when we suffer because God is in control and we can trust him and and know that he's gonna redeem out of the broken something beautiful. We may not understand it during the tears and during the difficult moments, but in time we can trust the Lord because here's what happens Fears become freedom. And the Lord wants you to be set free, set free from the chains of discouragement and worry and depression, that you can walk in peace and joy and eternal life through Jesus Christ alone. Amen. Verse 27, it says, and the keeper of the prison awakened from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Now, why would he do that? Well, we've read earlier in the book of Acts that when Peter was in prison, that when he escaped, Herod had the, the, the guards murdered, right? That was the culture. I mean, if, if a prisoner was free under your watch, you were going to be killed. And so him knowing that that was probably going to happen, he said, I'm just going to take my life anyway. But Paul, verse 28, called with a loud voice saying, hey, do yourself no harm for we are all here. 
And then he called for a light and he ran in and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? I imagine he thought, what can I do to have life? He was thinking again, temporally on earth. How can my life be spared? And now notice Paul not looking and talking through a spiritual or physical lens, but rather a spiritual lens says, so they said, believe on the who? Lord Jesus Christ. Someone say the name of Jesus. He said, believe in Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. The next change that happens when you're jailhouse strong is that your trial will become your testimony. Your trial will become your testimony. God's allowing you to face some things right now. And if you were strong and you put your trust in the Lord, he wants it to be a testimony used for his glory. He wants other people are watching, other people are seeing. And he wants you to testify to the Lord. Testify that there's greater purpose. Let the joy of the Lord be your strength and look for opportunities to share your story and the story of Jesus with others. You can do that online through social media. You can do that in person, in your neighborhood, at work, on your campus. Look for opportunities to share the good news of Jesus. Notice in verse 33, it says, and he took him the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now, when he brought them into his house, he set food before them and he did what? He rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. The repentance of this jailer became rejoicing. It became the greatest joy. And when we turn from our sin, when we see others turn from their sin and turn to God and we see that change, all heaven rejoices and we should rejoice as well that we're seeing greater things happen, that there is a joy in spite of what's happening in our, in our world around us. We can see God's finger. We can see God's action and we can be a part of that and see in a spiritual awakening. We can see us develop developing a character and a strong faith in the Lord that we can be used by God to witness of his glory and see those around us encouraged by us suffering well for the glory of God and seeing others respond to the gospel and their lives changed as well. Amen. Uh, a couple of weeks ago in church, you may have, you were here on Father's Day and we all celebrated the good news that our worship pastor, John Ravino was expecting his fifth child. A couple of days after that, they received news that their baby wasn't going to make it. And I was here early Tuesday morning and uh, I was here early and no one else was here except for Rav and he shared this sad news and we prayed. And I went back to my office and while I was in my office, I could hear Ravino. I thought, halfway thought he was just gonna go home, you know? But you know what he did? He came and he stayed here at the church and he took his guitar and he began to worship the Lord. I heard him sing the song that he wrote, this will end in joy. He wrote it for our church, but he was personally, this became a faith moment. You see, it's easy to worship the Lord before the trial. It's easy to worship the Lord in the trial, but your greatest test is, can you worship the Lord during the trial, during the pain, during the suffering? And that's what Rav did. He worshiped the Lord. And what are you going to do? During this hour of trial, we're all in this together. Are you gonna fold? Are you gonna become discouraged? Or will this be your moment 
to trust in the Lord and to worship him. A couple of days ago, I was in the word and I've been reading through the book of Psalms and I got into Psalm 30 and just felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to share that with you. Will you stand in honor of reading God's word as we're in the presence of the Lord? The psalmist writes in Psalm 30, verse eight, he's in a deep pit. It says, to you, O Lord, I cry. And to the Lord, I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death? If I go down to the pit, will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever.